We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the NBA front office show. The NBA is back. We had two games last night. We've got a bunch more tonight. Almost every team in the NBA will be in action tonight, with the exception of a few. We've got plenty of news to break down. The James Harden situation takes a, another <laughs> bizarre turn for us to talk about. We also have a lot of contract extensions to dive into, things of that nature. So plenty, plenty of news today. Keith Smith joining me as always. Keith, how are you doing? And uh, boy, this James Harden thing, it just keeps getting weirder. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I do. You know, I'm doing great. I, I'm a little tired because yeah. like I need to train better, I guess, in the last couple <laughs> weeks and stay up later. I, my bedtime gets like progressively earlier as the off season goes along. And then eventually like season starts and going to bed at 1 32 o'clock in the morning. I'm just not used to it. So a little tired, but I'll get a nap in uh, later today before tonight's game start. And I'll, I'll be, I'll be in my routine, but yeah, this hardened stuff, man. He, so reports, uh, multiple reports from <laughs> several people. And it was getting a little silly this morning, to be quite honest. It was yeah. like James Harden. I, I, I jokingly said, James Harden has now put his underwear on his head and is running around the court screaming and yelling. Nick Nurse continues to work on the team sideline out of bounds. <laughs> like, like, I don't get it. But anyway, he's returned to the 76ers, returned to uh, practice today. We don't know what level he did of practicing or anything mm. like that. But uh, then it was he's dressed. He's getting dressed for practice. He's dressed in on the court with the team. It was like crazy updates. Then it was reported he was going to travel with the team to Milwaukee, but not play. Now it looks like he's not going to travel with the team, even though reportedly he wants to and was ready to. And he's going to continue to ramp up on his own at the facility. No reporting on the 10-day absence, whether that was excused, unexcused. Mm -hmm. Where are we at with this 30-day clock? We have no idea on any of that stuff. And I'm guessing that's probably going to be something we don't find out unless we really need to know at this point. So, yeah, James Harden not not going to play tomorrow night. They're one of the teams. I'm in Milwaukee. They actually open tomorrow night. They'll be the last two teams to open their season, and no James Harden. So here we are. are does this surprise you that like James Harden is there and the 76ers are are like nah, 
no no thanks or is it just hey he hasn't been here for the bulk of things he doesn't know what it is exactly that that we're doing it's not fair for us just to throw him in like what is this the right i guess what i'm really asking is this the right decision here for the 76ers yeah i i think it, it is to an extent if we're still doing this two weeks from now then we're we're in some other weird situation. Mm-hmm. It, but for right now, today, sure, you can say, hey, he's been out of camp. It's no different than like the Warriors, right, with Draymond Green, where it was, although he was at camp, he was out with an injury, and it was, yeah, he's not ready to play. We need to ramp him up. He's not going to be ready to go. So I'm fine with that part of it. Obviously, we know this is a very different situation. It's not injury-related. But if we're two weeks from now and we're still not playing him, then it's clear to me, no, we know you're going to get out there and pull some nonsense and we don't trust you not to. So we're not going to play you then, you know, and if that that's the point, then be honest about it. Right. Well, whatever the tipping point is, you know, and I would say it's probably another three, four days from now, probably before their second, third game, you have to be honest about why you're not playing him or why he's inactive mm-hmm. for games or whatever the case is, because I, I get it, like, and I don't blame them if that's the, the approach they take, but it's definitely a weird situation all around. Yeah, 100%. It's a, and it'll be interesting because, you know, all the players are going to get asked about it and, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to have to respond to it. So there is definitely a cloud hanging over this team coming into their, their opener tomorrow. But um, nonetheless, James Harden does return to the 76ers. They say, no thanks. And we, we still wait to see if a trade gets done ultimately or, or what's going to happen here with him. So much up in the air. Uh, wheels up on Tyrese Maxey in the meantime. I think he's going to get every opportunity to um, to really become the guy in that backcourt. And uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. But uh, this James Harden situation just keeps getting stranger and stranger. Yeah. Um, all right, Keith, we do have some veteran extensions to get into. We've got some rookie scale extensions too, but this is some of the transactional news from, from around the league. And there's... Some of these deals that we'll talk about are, you know, some of these are better than others. So let's let's get into them and see who did what around the league. Let's go. We'll go right here. So these right are now, our rookie scale ones. Sorry, these are the now. rookie yep. scale ones that came through. Never mind. Flip it up. <laughs> That's all right. Switch it up. Let's do rookie scale Oops. first. Sorry, I I just put the file up. I didn't realize which <laughs> one you were sending. Let's yeah. do let's so, do rookie scale first, and then we'll get into the better ones. Um. So the graphic that's on the screen uh, created by our guy, Scott Allen, over at Spot Track, um, just kind of laid out, hopefully fairly simply, of you know the 14 rookie scale contract extensions that were done. There was 14, and got the dog uh, checking in here to say hello, um, 14 of them out of uh, 31. The reason it was 31 this year was Chumo Kiki from the Orlando Magic. He was, he signed a year late. He was part of the 2019 draft class, but he didn't sign until before the 2020, uh, 21 season. So he, he signed a year late. So 14 players get, get deals done. Some of these we've known about for months. Some of these we just found about, but we're going to kind of run through some of them very quickly. And then other ones, uh, not, not so quickly. And notice who's not on there, Emmanuel quickly. Um, We'll we'll get into that too. That that was well done. That was was well done. Um, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, and Tyrese Halliburton all got the designated player uh, extensions. They can bump to the 30% if mm-hmm. they achieve all NBA status or MVP or 
defensive player of the year. Really, we're talking all NBA uh, with any of those three guys. Not unexpected at all. Desmond Bain get the other. I continue to call it a functional max contract. He got the max, but he just has some um, unlikely incentives in there for mm-hmm. him. So we're going to see um, you know, if he achieves those bonuses. Again, with bonuses, just as a refresher, we call them unlikely. It just means they did not happen last season. So it could be something as simple as play 80 games, or 80 is probably too much, play 65 games, and the guy yeah. played 64 the year before. So that, that could be a way you can, can do that. So functional max for Desmond Bain, even if he's got a little bit of incentives in there. After that, the next two biggest ones, we already talked a lot about Jaden McDaniels because we broke it down when it came through live. Uh, and then the other big one was Devin Vassell, who we talked about quite a bit, and I uh, nerded out. Which thanks for everybody who appreciated that in the comments on the show. <laughs> I, I I I felt very seen, and that made me feel good. <laughs> Almost all the rest of these were were new, minus I believe Isaiah Stewart's. Uh, that happened in July. We talked about yeah. that uh, when we we're in Las Vegas. That actually happened while we were in studio. That uh, did. In, That's in right. Blue Wire Studio. And then Peyton Pritchard's was uh, done a couple weeks ago. Almost, I believe, all the rest were done within the last couple of days. So for my money, without going deep into the details on every single one of these, mm-hmm. Onyeka Kongwu's was the most shocking one to me just from, I think that's an incredibly good value for the Atlanta Hawks to have him at about $15.5 million per season. Yeah. I just think he's really good. It would not surprise me if... By the end of this year, if he's Atlanta's starting five, um, I, I just I'm very high on him, and I think they got him on a really great uh, value contract. Yeah, I mean he's he's a, a good young player, and and so that makes this especially Keith. One of the things that and we we talk about this all the time, but you have to we have to start to reframe some of our thinking in terms of the rising salary cap. So I'm still seeing some people um, out there that are are reacting to the sticker shock of of some of these contracts and comparing them to even if we get our mindset stuck a few years ago um it <laughs> obviously it looks very different right when we're looking yes. at some of these deals because we get stuck in the idea that well a mid-level exception is like 10 million bucks i still i, yeah. I and that's look that's why we're here because there's there's fans who don't pay as much attention to this stuff as we do who don't lock into this stuff as much because you can't right you go crazy if you're trying to do yeah. everything at once so that that's that's part of why we're here is to is to keep people updated but but if you're still in that mindset that, oh, an MLE deal, that's like nine or 10 million, right? Or something like that. You hear some of these contracts and you're like, oh my gosh, these are overpaced. You have to reframe and, and think about what an average contract is in the NBA now and then recognize what some of these guys are bringing for either an average value or even slightly above average. And Okongo is certainly uh, in that, that mold there where he's a guy who can provide a lot of value, particularly on a deal that's really based on the new numbers in the NBA, not all that expensive. Uh, but this does beg the question. Are you suggesting that they are going to move on from Clint Capella or Kongwu is simply going to take his job? It would not surprise me if he took Capella's role by the end of the year. And even if he's not starting, 
he could be playing like the starters minutes. He could be closing. I just think he's a better fit right now at this point in their respective careers for what Atlanta needs, especially defensively over what Capella can be. Capella is probably transitioning into, I mean, they already split the role pretty evenly anyway. Capella may be transitioning into one of those starts and plays the first six to eight minutes of each half. And then you don't really see him again. We, we could mm-hmm. see things go that direction. The one thing that short circuits that a little bit, they don't really, with John Collins no longer there, none of their other guys who play at the four can really play the four and also slide over to play the five. But I do think a Kongwu, there's a good chance he, he does take over the closing duties by the end of the season. Maybe Capella retains just because he's the vet. He's been around. He retains starting group. But I think, this con this extension for Okongwu plus the fact that Atlanta has a lot of money locked up. They don't have mm-hmm. any singularly bad contracts, but what they do have is a lot of guys signed to 12 plus million dollar a year contracts for the next three, four, five years in some cases. And that turns into that adds up very quickly for a team that's in the middle of the pack in the East at least, you know, right now we'll see if they outperform that, but they, that's very expensive. You can't be bumping up against the tax and be a team that's fighting through the play in tournament. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not, you're not going to be there. So something's going to give eventually. And I think this is, this is a sign of, all right, we're going with a Kong room. Last thing I really have on this. If you think this deal is like crazy, then you have to think like Denny Avdias is like uh-huh. absolutely ridiculously Bonkers. terrible. Yep. Because he only got seven million dollars more total, you know, essentially than than Avdia did, and they're both um, Akongwu's is slightly more than what the MLE will be. Avdia's mm, yeah. is going to be that's very MLE equivalent. Yep. So you know that's that's just and that's kind of a newer thing. We used to really see guys you had to really beat the MLE amount, otherwise guys would say I'll just bet on myself and I'll I'll go out there and try to you know out earn that by quite a bit. And we saw some guys say. No, that seems pretty good to me. And I think that's reading the market a little bit for some players and the like. I think that is going to be the the mindset of a lot of players until we get to a situation where we see some players who are MLE level players who don't get that because of whether it's the first apron or the second apron where you have where there's not as many teams with the MLE available to them. Um, if we get into that kind of environment, then we may see a few more players that are eager just to take the M- the MLE level money if it's on the table. But otherwise, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of guys are saying, well, you know, if you give me a little bit more than this, then, okay, I'll do this. Now, otherwise, I, I can get at least the-, the MLE is probably my floor in the summer. So why not just, you know, why take the- my floor level offer right now? I can get that next summer. Let's just let me wait otherwise. So, yeah, I, for the in the current climate, yeah, I think this is the right decision for players. It's to it's to get a little bit more push for a little bit more than the MLE and for teams again a little more than the MLE as long as it's a quality player you're going to be more than fine on that. Um, are, are there any of these? I guess let, let's put it this way: What deal do you think is the most questionable uh, on here? Like, which one do you look at and say, "I don't know if I would have done that if I was the the front office in terms of of paying that much money?" Or are there any? None are such an egregious overpay where I'm like, holy cow, what in the world were you doing? Mm-hmm. I do think the obvious one's a little questionable to me. I just, where is that team going 
right? They have a lot of um, combo forward perimeter based guys on that team. And I just did. Did you need to do this? Because now you have Kuzma signed long term. Now you have Avdi signed long term. You have Bilal Koulibaly, who looks like the real deal. You know, it's only preseason. I get it. But he looks like he's really going to be a player. But where are we going with this? But it's not like a contract where, like, they didn't give him 20 plus million where I'm like, oh, my Lord. Like, mm-hmm. what happened here? Like, this is just, it's it, it seems a little bit of an overpay. The Zeke Najee one is just kind of weird. But yeah. it's it's $8 million average annual value. Like, that's fine. Like, it doesn't, you know, matter. And I think what you're seeing with Denver and Boston, especially maybe Minnesota, we'll see, is a read of the market of all right we have we can't keep bleeding talent we have to yeah. retain some of these guys because if nothing else we have to retain them as a trade chip down yeah. the line because our especially in denver and boston's case so that'd be the naji and the pritchard extension i guess to some extent josh green but i think think of anything he got a little underpaid versus what i would have given him I'm, I'm very high on josh green but those guys i think their teams are we're going to be bumping up against the second apron and we're down to draft picks and minimums is all we can fill out. You got to retain the guys you have provided they've shown you some ability to play. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's where we're at with guys like Najee and Pritchard, especially it greens ahead of both of them. I think he's shown uh, more, especially last season. So that was a little, little interesting. And it's just, again, those ones all in Aaron Neesmith, I'll put in this group too, all below MLE deals. That's just reframing. Cause I think like Neesmith, Cole Anthony, guys like that, I think looked and said, yep. well, in years past, it would have been all right. If there's not going to be a cap space team for me and there may not be, I don't know how many cap space teams we're going to really have. That's on my to-do list this week is to really start breaking that down. But they might've looked at it and said, I I'm not a guarantee to get the full MLE from somebody. So let me lock in now. Well, let me get this money now in a place where I'm comfortable, where I have a real role. And for the teams, those deals are short enough. And in the case of Anthony's, there's a team option on the, the third year. They can get out of them very easily if they need to. And again, if you do use cap space and you find yourself becoming a little bit more expensive than you like, those guys become trade chips and you move on that way. So I, I think we're just to, to your earlier point, a lot of this is reframing not mm-hmm. just the numbers, but also the strategy that teams and players are taking now. I think it's a very different world than the one we lived in this morning when we're eating our pancakes. <laughs> That's a fantastic draft day reference right there. That was, and it was a very subtly slid in, slid in there. I like it. I like it. Um, so one of the things that stands out to me, and I'm curious to get your take on this in terms of, I know we need to move on in, in just a moment here, but the true superstars, right? We get it in our heads that max level contracts are reserved for the top, top, top tier stars, right? That's that's what we see it as. And so and so we look at, so, so I'll see a kind of second or third tier quote unquote star gets a max level deal and people complain, why is he getting that money if Giannis is getting the same amount, right? And this guy's not Giannis or Jokic is getting the same amount and this guy's not Jokic. Why should he be getting that same money? What the the truth of that matter is that the true top 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 tier stars are actually having their 
their total is being artificially deflated. It's not the yeah. third tier guys are being brought up. Is that the same effect here? Because when I see Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, I see Tyrese Halliburton and Desmond Bain all getting the same number. Those guys are not all the same in terms of their, their impact on the game here. Is that the Anthony Edwards of the world is being at on the rookie scale here is being artificially deflated? Or is that, do you think that maybe like Memphis and I love Desmond Bain, Memphis is being a little bit over aggressive in giving Desmond Bain that, that money. I think it's more of the first one. I, mm -hmm. I, I think anytime you put a max, contract structure in play you're definitely going to see some guys on the top end of whatever their individual maximum is get pinned to a point where it's like well they just bumped up against their cap like obviously not part of this direct conversation but we've said for years going back to when he was with the Cavs, like way before contracts were anything near where they are now lebron was probably worth 50 million when the max was like 25 Mm -hmm. LeBron is, you know, for years was probably worth 70 or 80. Stephen Curry in that group. Kevin Durant at a point was in that group. Sure. But yeah, to your point, the max is what it is. And that's how you keep everything in control and you keep it from the Cavs. Gave LeBron $80 million. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, it's LeBron and a whole bunch of dudes on minimums because right. we can't do anything else. There's no other way to get around this. That's where, yeah, once once you put that max in there, there's definitely some of that artificial depression of the player's true earning potential because they bump into their max. But I don't know that it's a bad thing, provided now in the new CBA, there's rules on the other end of you have to spend X amount of money to really lift. E even the floor has been there for years and years and years, but it was always kind of like, yeah, get over it if you can. And some mm -hmm. teams chose not to. Now it's, hey, we're going to take your ability to do things away and your ability to share in the revenue sharing and the tax payments and all that if you don't go over the floor. So we saw this year, everybody's over the floor, way over it now. Yeah. Um, so as long as you, if you're going to depress on the top end, you have to push on the bottom because otherwise all you're doing is pushing the money down and all that leftover whatever up top here, where does it go? Well, for years and years, it just went into, you know, the kind of overall fun. Now, though, you're cycling it back in as actual salary instead of after the fact payments and escrow payments and all this other stuff. Yeah. And, you know, as much as they think the super duper smart players who are planning their life for the next 40, 50, 60 years are thinking, Hey, if it goes in escrow, like we get 50% of this money anyway, like yeah. I don't really care. It'll come to me eventually. But for the reality is most guys are like, uh, if I can sign a contract now for 10 million versus 5 million, let me sign the 10 million contract today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, well, let's uh, let's jump over to uh, away from the rookies and let's get to the veteran extensions. And I know I just mentioned him, but Giannis, what changed, Keith? So suddenly, <laughs> so we all we heard Giannis said, "No, I'm not going to sign the extension this summer. It's going to be." I guess he's it was true because he didn't sign it in summer; he signed it in the fall. <laughs> but um, uh, it was you know we're going to wait till next year. We're going to wait till next year. What happened in Milwaukee? What's different? Hey, I am guessing it was just a beautiful fall, and <laughs> he was like, it. man, it's not the cold yet. I, I'm good. I'm happy here. Yeah, this is exactly what happened last time, mm -hmm. right? Giannis was agitating a little bit of, hey, I might go. Like, maybe I'll go. We knew Miami. I mean, they 
without openly saying it because they would have gotten in trouble, which then they got in trouble anyway for other things. Mm -hmm. But they pretty much said, like, we're ready to go. We're going to give Giannis everything we possibly can. And Giannis basically said, hey, Milwaukee, like, you don't do something to make us title contenders. Because remember, at that point, they'd not won. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know where my future is going to be here. So they went out traded for Drew Holiday. Giannis said, this is great. Signed the extension. They won a championship. What happened earlier this summer? Giannis was, I don't know, Bucks. Like, we'll see. I don't really, you know, want to do this right now. And X, Y, and Z. They trade for Damian Lillard. Lo and behold, you know, weeks later, he signs the extension and stays. Giannis had referenced, it doesn't make financial sense for me. I can make more money. There is some bit of backtracking going on now from some people saying, well, you know, he actually can make more money now because he can get back on the market and he can do a contract before it's the over 38 rule and all these things. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess, but you're, 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 we're projecting a lot of stuff that needs to happen for a player in his, who will be in his mid to late thirties by the time a lot of that will matter. And I'm, I don't know where we'll be at now. So I get it from from the 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 he could maximize his full potential earnings this way by doing it this way. I just think the reality is is Giannis is a pretty upfront dude. Hey, like if you want me to stick around, make the team better, and give us a better chance to win, and then you did it. Great, I'll follow through on my side and I'll resign. I just think that's where we're at with him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's 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 it as well. It's just about hey, um, you guys. Lived up to your end end of the bargain. I'm gonna live up to mine, and that's yep. exactly what he did. Uh, any other veteran extensions that we need to we need to get? We into got here? one more, but I want one other thing on Giannis too. Mm-hmm. I think um, there's a conversation a little bit worth having as we look at guys like Giannis and Nikola Jokic, two non-American-born players who came to the United States, found homes in Denver, and Milwaukee, two traditionally smaller markets. Um, not Denver's not the you know super small market, but mm-hmm. two smaller markets and have stayed. And they're now with their current contracts and where their teams are at, it's a lot more likely they may just be there for their entire runs. And it's starting to look a lot like what Dirk Nowitzki did with Dallas. Mm-hmm. Went through some ups and downs, eventually won a title, and then stayed there for what was it in the end, 20 All the or years. 21 years, but his entire run. And I do think with sometimes with the, uh, the the European or overseas players that come over, I think they find a home here. And it's it's we forget because we're so focused on the U.S. Like all of Europe would fit inside of the United States. <laughs> like yeah. So it you know becomes a situation where like our states and cities and metropolitan areas are often the sizes of some of the European countries. And these are home for these guys. So you're like, you're basically saying like, hey, pick up and leave your home like here. And that's just not generally how it works. A lot of those guys will, they will stay home. And and that's, I I think there's just something worth that. Now, maybe Luca throws my entire hypothesis here out of whack and is like, no, get me out of Dallas. But that I think would be the Mavs mess that they could be making. Um, if they make such a mess of that. So it's just something worth, worth I think, thinking about. And I do wonder, um, you know, as we continue to see, um, you know, overseas poor or non-American players, it's not 
like they're not going away. There's there's mm-hmm. more of them than ever in the league, and it's just going to be how it is. The NBA is a global league now, and the very best players in the world play in the NBA from no matter where they're from. And I think think there's you know something to that. Maybe Joel Embiid, another example. We'll see how that all plays out. Yeah, clearly Joel Embiid is very happy to tell everybody I'm an American because he's playing for Team USA. So maybe that is the difference. Maybe he he's adopted our culture of like I'll jump all over the place. And play <laughs> that's what it is. I don't know. Maybe that's how that one is going. But it's just something I was thinking about as we kind of were running through. Wow, some of these guys you know have locked in to stay places you know longer than what is average anymore. Yeah, no, that's true. It's something that. I think is becoming more and more the norm and teams are starting to factor that into their decision-making processes as, as well. Um, because let's face it, there's, there's no team that wants to, to have a star for seven years or whatever. And then fi- and then they're dealing with a trade demand. If you feel like there's less of a chance with a star that's from Europe, that that's going to happen. And that this guy's going to be your guy for the entirety of his career. Then, then that adds a little bit of value to, yeah. Looking for high level, could be like a there. tiebreaker in a draft decision. Absolutely, like that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if if you have, it's not like you're changing your ranking. No, yeah, you're, you're yeah, you're not. If you have two in. guys, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what was the oh, other veteran? I don't remember Zach it off Collins the top of my head. With the Spurs. Uh, oh, did, we did, we talked about that one. Didn't did we? we do that one? I couldn't remember. It we so did. much has happened this week. Just for reference for everybody, there were over 250 transactions in the last week. That happened. Now, the vast majority of those were signing waves. Uh, if anybody's interested, you can read a piece I wrote about what Exhibit 9 and Exhibit 10 contracts are, why NBA teams use them, how it's mostly about getting guys to the G League. But they, uh, yeah, we had over 250 total transactions, and only what, four, 14 were rookie scale and two veteran extensions. So, yeah, the Zach Collins one, I guess we did already talk about it, but that was the other veteran extension that got done. Right. Uh, just as a refresher for everyone, now, if you have more than one year left on your contract, unless your second year is an option year, you are no longer extension eligible. You you cannot extend uh, the remainder of this year. If you have one year left and you are extension eligible, not everybody who's on a one-year contract is extension eligible. But if you're on an expiring deal or you can make your deal expiring with an option, you can extend all the way through uh, June 30th at 1159. Uh, PM, which uh, I always reference, makes it sometimes a little confusing because it's like, wait, is this a new contract? Is this an extension? Because free agency negotiations open at six on 11 Mm -hmm. or on uh, June 30th. But you do have through the final day of the league year to sign an extension if you want to go to that. And a handful of guys did that last year. Uh, Nikola Vucevic did it, Nas Reed and somebody else that I'm forgetting uh, all signed extensions this year. And we'll we'll remind people of that in in June when inevitably that happens and people are going wait this is a free agent no yeah that's not that's not yeah, they jumped the gun tampering you know and yeah. remember too new rules you can start talking to your team uh, your own free agents earlier than than ever before I forget exactly what the timing is but it's something like as soon as the playoffs end or something like that mm-hmm. you can begin the conversations with your with your own team which that's also you know but uh, that, that's just that should just be always have been a thing you know how are you tampering with a guy who's your own free agent never got we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Speaking of tampering, <laughs> the Suns are being investigated uh, for tampering, for for negotiating early with Drew Eubanks. Um, what of all players, Drew Eubanks, and I, you, right? you know, I'm a big Drew Eubanks fan. Yep. Um, one of my favorite moments from being in studio was I was talking about how much I liked Drew Eubanks and the signing for the Suns as the Trailblazers walked by for summer right. league practice, and and they all started waving at the window and giving us thumbs up. That's right. That was everybody. that was in Vegas during summer league. Yep. Yeah. That was that was a good weird time. though, right? Like what? Like, yeah. This is just odd, and I guess you can't say the NBA has biases here, right? Of you know mm-hmm. who they're going to pursue and punish with this, and. My guess is if the Suns are found guilty, they'll probably lose a second round pick. Now it gets a little tricky because the yeah, Suns are not exactly. But they, they've made moves to get beautiful. some picks. They, have, yeah. they could have some trade yeah. capital. But I yeah. mean, so this is actually like if they wind up and who knows when it will would happen. But if it turns out that this is uh, that there are, I don't even know if I want to use the word guilty. I mean, they talked to him a little bit too early, <laughs> sure. right? But yeah. But if that's the case it actually could somewhat inhibit their ability to make a future trade if they do lose a second round because they don't have a bunch of them to throw into trades to kind of grease the wheels. But um, this could wind up mattering. It's also possible it doesn't matter at all, and that's probably the most likely thing. But given the Suns, well, the 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 cupboard is pretty bare when it comes to yeah. tradable assets. So that this could actually mean something for them. They do have a second rounder coming from Denver. That was part mm-hmm. of that whole... Uh, trade a future first to Denver, you know, that, that yeah. whole thing they worked out uh, at the draft. So this is, they, they do have that one coming. So that would be the one I would assume would go first. Mm-hmm. That's usually how the league does it. The league generally tends to punish a team with one of their own picks, but Phoenix very famously has none of their own picks. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, we'll see. You know, if they lose that that Denver pick uh, this year potentially, and that there's no protections on their on that pick, so they're they're getting it. And I apologize, that wasn't from the that was actually from the Magic. Uh, they did a deal with the Magic where they traded uh, swap rights in the first oh, round that's right. to get second round, as it was uh, Denver's pick uh, via Orlando. So, so yeah, we'll we'll see. But just Keith, you know, I, I love it. I, I love second round picks. By the time they're actually selected, when it's like this pick via 10 other teams because second yeah. round picks get, get passed around so much. Um, I, I think you can be forgiven from forgetting it was Orlando and not Denver that 
these things, but they were sometimes they even wind up back with the original team yes. and then go out again. Yep. Like it, it's crazy. It's so we crazy. were when we added all of the future picks owned and owed to each of our salary pages on spot track, we're working through it. Um, one of the, the questions was, Hey, this one says like, I think it was Detroit, like Detroit owns a pick, but it's like via three teams, but it's their own pick. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's correct. Like yeah. it, it circled <laughs> back around, you know, everything comes home again. Right. Can always go home again. Sometimes this league, man. Yeah. The, we're, we're leaving the light on for you. Second round yeah. pick. Come on back. Yeah. Come on back. Um, all right, last thing we've got for today. Al Horford is, is going to come off the bench. We were wondering how that was all going to work out with, with Boston and who was going to enter that six-man role. Apparently, it is going to be Al Horford. Keith, you're the Celtics guy. Is this the, the right decision in terms of who is the one to, to head to the bench? I think so. I I think with Al Horford, it is um, – there's a lot of things, a lot of reasons this makes sense. One, he's the oldest member of – the, the team and you know the oldest member of the starting group i think this also ensures chris haps porzingis has the space he needs to operate and likely be guarded by the other teams opposing big uh mm-hmm. jason tatum we know when he's at the four he's a matchup nightmare anywhere but at the four he's very few fours can guard him uh in the league so that just creates that because of Horford's age, this allows the team to control his minutes even more um, than than they were uh, previous uh, with him. And they're not exactly loaded with backup bigs. So this also helps solve a little bit of that. I think this is going to be a little situational um, where mm. if they're playing Milwaukee, you might see Al Horford in the starting group to go against uh, Giannis. They're playing Philadelphia maybe because, you know, if he's done anything well in his career and he's done all obviously lots of things well in his career, it's defend mm-hmm. Giannis and Embiid. Like he's just done a, nobody shuts those guys down, but he does as good a job as anybody does on making them work. But we know with coaches, coaches are creatures of habit. They don't like changing their starting five all the time. So my guess is this was, Hey, we know he's not going to play back to backs. We know we're probably going to pretty liberally rest him at his age. So I think, Let's just do it. Let's put him to the bench. Um, he, we'll, we'll see. It's as I've said many times with the Celtics. One of the worries for them is everybody can say all the right things in October. It's extremely easy when mm-hmm. you're coming off a three-game losing streak in January. Is somebody starting to, you know, if I was starting, you know, this yep. would be this way. I'm not going to say Al Horford's definitely going to do that, but outside of that, you know, mess of a year in Philadelphia. He hasn't come off the bench meaningful times since he was in his rookie year in Atlanta. So you're talking about him doing something completely different than what he's done. But as of right now, everybody's bought in. He seems okay with it. And I'm sure he's going to play just as big a role as he would have otherwise. So we'll see starting tonight, you know, what it, what yeah. it looks like. They, they open with the Knicks tonight and uh, you know, the, this is, this is the new look and you know, it was, everything was kind of pointing in this direction and last, you know, they decided, hey, Derek White, you're kind of the least accomplished of this group, so you have to go. But they like everything White brings them. And that that White holiday backcourt duo, like they're, they're going to make life miserable on a lot of opposing guards this season. Does this mean that um, Tatum is checking Randall in tonight's game? Yeah, they tend to go with Jalen Brown on the bigger on the bigger. bigger. That, okay, um, okay, that that makes some sense. Yeah, because then Tatum can kind of float and help. Uh, a little bit. 
I wouldn't be surprised too if if you see Porzingis maybe on Randall every once in a while, and then they just make sure get a body on Mitchell Robinson mm-hmm. um, as best you can. If there's anything I'm worried about with this Celtics group, Tatum did a much better job on the boards last year, but they need Brown to get on the boards more than than he has historically because Porzingis is a, he's an okay rebounder, but he's not great. Yeah. Somehow last year they were the best defensive rebounding team in the league, even though multiple times when you watch the Celtics, it was like, how? Like it felt right. like they would get killed on the offensive boards, but they never really did. I mean, every once in a while, they did because everybody does. But yeah, I mean, this is a test tonight, right? I mean, a big chunk of the Knicks' uh, success was getting to the glass. You know, we saw that in the postseason. So we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm very curious. And I, I just think the trade off. They'll still be very good defensively. I think the trade-off offensively is. I don't know how you guard this. Like, like this sure. is just, I mean, they're going to be five out. And, like, Porzingis, the big thing with him is he is a uh, five-out guy, but, like, five feet behind the line, five-out five. Yeah. Like, he, he will space deep behind the line. So, I it should open up driving lanes and everything and all that. But, I mean, this is all somewhat theoretical. But I will say this, just for those who follow me over here, because they know I used to cover the Celtics. Uh, full. I wrote a guest column for Celtics blog today because I had some thoughts, and it just went up while we've been recording. And basically, it was, it's time. No more excuses. Like, get it done. Like, it, um, did. This this team has everything they need to to win a championship, and mm-hmm. I picked them to win the championship this year. And I am, you know, they, they, I don't want to hear any excuses at the end of the year if they don't win. Like this is, you know, this is it. Like if you can't get it done, they already did some changes. It's time to have real serious conversation about our right, what are we doing? Just given where the payroll is, everything with this team. Like you, you've tried different stuff. Get get it done. You have the talent to get it done, and you know that's you know. For as much as the uh, Keith Smith challenge being gauntlet being thrown down, they <laughs> clearly don't care about that. But that's that's where my mindset is. You know, yeah. I, you know th- that's my expectation is that they're going to win. It's uh, it's championship or bust for them. And I, I, I'm not saying that I think the Knicks are going to to beat them because Tatum would have to defend Randall. It's more there's a physical toll to that. that I was sure. curious to see how yeah, the Celtics would, would navigate that situation. Yeah. Um, that's a fair question. Yeah, you're going to put it. It's 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 a it's the small forward power forward version of AD, right? Where AD, mm-hmm. there's a physical toll to him playing the five all the time. Well, anytime you're asking a, a guy to play up, there is a physical toll. It's less playing small forward to power forward because a lot of teams yeah. just, they don't have that. Randall is very much the old school, like I will go through you on my way yes. to the rim, power forward. What you hope is you get to Julius Randall, who is content to uh, take off the dribble, you know, 25 on 25 uh, dribble um, contested 15 footers all night. Right. If he's willing to do that, then I could probably do an okay job of guarding him. If he's, that's all he's going to shoot. Like, you know, if he, if he gets out on the block and is, you know, seriously about getting to the rim, that becomes a whole different animal. Yeah. If he goes wreck it Randall mode and he just starts yeah. taking the ball to the basket and smashing, that's where, that that's where you start to start to wonder. Okay, and Tatum, I think, can do just fine contesting and everything. But uh, again, he'll he'll be feeling it by the end of the game if that's the the kind of mindset that Randall is is in. Yep. And we'll see how that all plays out tonight. And by the way, excited. There, there's so many games tonight. I don't. Uh, know. So great. I don't. I don't have enough TVs. I don't have enough TVs. <laughs> that, that's for sure. I, I'm pumped because I will. What it, my plan tonight is. Uh, I I have Direct TV. Direct TV has the uh, NBA Mix channel. 
Uh -huh. A lot of league pass night like tonight, so I'll have uh, Celtics on ESPN, and then when I flip, I'm going to flip to the Mix channel where it'll have you know a bunch of different games. I'll be able to kind of toggle between and see what it looks like. So I'll yeah. In case anybody is wondering, yes, I will still be mostly focused on the uh, Celtics game tonight. So I was uh, ah, I, 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 I thought it was Twitter something too. I, was I thought it was something, but no, it's but, nothing. No, I mean it is nice, you know. Good, good for Chris Haynes that he's getting the honest game uh, sit down tonight, sure. but yeah, or tomorrow night, I guess. So, yeah. but no James Harden. So there's that. No James Harden. <laughs> no James. And now that I always like when stuff like that happens because you can kind of get a little peek into the into the world that we we live in, where right? we, we get these notifications, and every time it gets us, we jump and we're, oh, what is it? Because you just never know with with this league, but. Um, but no, sometimes it's a, whoa, this happened. Most yeah. of the time, it's it's like what just happened there where <laughs> yeah. notification goes off. Because in my head, I already start thinking, oh my God, I'm going to have so much to do today. <laughs> and, but no, it was it was nothing. And then I, uh, I, I get irrationally angry at the person who I put notifications on for. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, which is unfair. Hey, we do have a little bit of news. Uh, Scotty Barnes just had his option picked up. Oh. Uh, by the Raptors, they just announced that. Not no surprise. surprising there. And then uh, the 76ers, a little bend of the bench roster shuffling, uh, waved um, Azulis to Bellis uh, from his two way spot, and they re signed Ricky Council, who was waived um, uh, earlier in the week. So, oh, so there, okay. there we go. All righty. All right, everybody. Well, that's going to do it for today. Make sure you do subscribe to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. And, of course, follow us over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Thanks, everybody. Till next time. See you and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.